And turn with me again this evening to the book of Jonah. And we'll consider again the first chapter, a portion of the first chapter this evening. It's a little past halfway. Uh, if you get to the Gospels, you've gone too far. If you are still in the major prophets, you haven't gone far enough. And uh, it's a little book. Again, as I mentioned this morning, in my, in my Bible, it all fits on, two, on a two-page spread, page uh, 864 and 865. That probably won't help you. The Bible Project introduces the book of Jonah this way, the subversive story of a rebellious prophet who hates God for loving his enemies. Now, personally, I find that a little bit strong, but not far removed from what we find in the book of Jonah. Who is this Jonah? And what is God teaching us, not just about Jonah, but about you and about me? And we're going to focus particularly this evening on this account of Jonah's testimony about his relationship with the Lord. And in considering that, consider a call from the Lord to consider your relationship with him. Consider your relationship with the Lord. And so I'm just going to read verses 6 through 9 of Jonah 1, but our focus will really be um, verse 9 and the things that relate to that. So hear the word of God, Jonah chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea. I'm sorry, let me back up verse 6. <laughs> that was verse 9. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And then our focus, verse 9. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And having heard from God in his word, please join me in your hearts as we seek him in prayer. God, our Father in heaven, would you open our eyes and our ears to see and hear from Christ himself. Would you teach us not just about Jonah, but about ourselves as we respond to you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jonah says, I fear the Lord, and so I ask the question, do you fear the Lord? And yet it's legitimate to think about it in this context, is it, is it fear or worship or both? Um, different English Bibles depending on what Bible translation you use, you might have the word fear or you might have the word worship. Uh, translator notes for the net Bible make this comment, because the fear of God leads to wisdom and obedience, that is probably not the sense here. Instead, Jonah professes to be a loyal Yahwist in contrast to the pagan uh, Phoenician sailors who worshipped false gods. He worshipped the one true God. And then they say, unfortunately, his worship of the Lord lacked the necessary moral prerequisite. So do you fear or do you worship 
the Lord. The Hebrew lexicon for the word tells us that it has, it has a broad range of meaning. It can be uh, to fear or to worship, to revere, to respect. And when God is the object, it normally means to fear leading to obedience or to worship, to stand in awe of. And so we ask the question, was Jonah standing in awe of the Lord in worship? And the obvious answer is absolutely not. He was fleeing from the presence of God. Did Jonah fear the Lord leading to obedience? And again, we have to say absolutely not. His, his witness, his testimony, in many ways rang hollow, rang false. What we should be doing is what the uh, Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 10, verses 20 and 21, you are to fear the Lord your God and worship him. Remain faithful to him. Take oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and awe-inspiring works that your eyes have seen. That's what we're called to do. That's what Jonah claimed to be doing, and yet his claim in many ways rings hollow. But what about you? What about me? You're sitting here in a worship assembly. Do you fear the Lord? Are you worshiping? And we know that there are many around us. I trust not many, if any, here who will say, I will bow the knee to none. I fear neither man nor God. And yet it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom and the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. One day, as we saw in Philippians, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But in an interesting way, in Christ and for Christ, the fear of the Lord is a pleasing aroma. In contrast to what we looked at last week in Philippians 4, the, the displeasing smell of disagreement in the church Isaiah, the prophet, says this about the Savior. Isaiah 11, the first three verses. A shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And then verse 3 says this, translated, uh, he, this is in the Christian Standard Bible, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. It's a very interesting word that's translated in many of our English Bibles, his delight. It's the word that's translated almost everywhere else in Scripture, his smell. What he smells, the, the, the pleasing aroma of a sacrifice to God, it's that same word. And it struck me, it, it's, it's an awkward word and sometimes translated from one language to another. There is an awkwardness. We can't be wooden uh, about the translations. It, it, it would be odd to say his aroma will be in the fear of the Lord. And yet there's a sense in which I think that would not be an odd way to translate what we're called to consider in Christ and because of Christ. And that's because of what Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 14 to 16. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. 
For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some we are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others an aroma of life leading to life. Who is adequate for these things? There is a sense in which when we worship God acceptably, when we are like this shoot that grew out of Jesse, that the, that the fear of the Lord is the scent by which people can smell us. And it is to some an aroma of life and to some an aroma of death because they will not fear and worship the Lord. But do you? Do you fear? Do you worship the Lord? And who is this Lord? Well, he is the only true God. As Jonah speaks of him here in verse 9, he is the God of the heavens. And that phrase is used about 20 times in the Bible. It's primarily used in the book of Ezra, in the book of Nehemiah, in the book of Daniel, and once here in the book of Jonah. It's a recognition of God as the one and only God. The God who has authority to raise up and to put down. The God who is to be obeyed and served. And the God who will discipline those who sin against him. The God who hears and answers prayer. And we live in a world in which their people are desperate for a God to hear and answer their prayers. And yet they speak in such nonsense ways like, I'm having a crisis. Will you send positive thoughts my way? No, I, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. I'm sorry. But I will speak to the God who hears and answers prayer. For many, the hope that they have, the gods upon whom they call, the gods upon who these sailors were calling, they all got up and they called out to their gods and the storm continued to rage. It reminds me of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah mocked the prophets saying, speak loudly for he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. And they shouted loudly and they cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon they kept raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. And so these sailors wakened Jonah in a similar way. No one was answering their prayers. And they said, call on your God. Perhaps this God will hear and answer. And this one and only God, the true God, the God of the heavens, is the God who hears and answers prayer and we know that God in Christ and we can offer to those around us we know the God who hears and answers prayer the God who grants success the God who gives mercy the God who has set up a king and a kingdom that will never be destroyed do you fear and worship the Lord the God of heaven the only true God and yet we see more from Jonah's brief testimony. Do you believe that this God is the creator? Do you believe that he is the creator? The one who made the sea where the storm was raging, the storm that he had hurled at the sea. The one who made the dry land that the, that the sailors were desperate to get to. He made it all. 
Nothing exists that God did not make. And so what do we know about this creator God? We know that Christ the Savior is also the creator. Christ the Savior is also the creator. As the author of Hebrews begins that book, long ago God spoke to our ancestors, the prophets, at different times and in different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, God has appointed him as heir of all things and made the universe through him. Christ, the Savior, is also the creator. We saw in December in looking at John's introduction to Christ, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Christ the Savior, the one that we desperately need, is also the Creator. And do you believe that He's the Creator, that He made the world in six days and all very good? Jonah claimed that this God of heaven, the Lord, the God of heaven, made the sea and the dry land. And we must believe that. He is the creator. He made all things in six days and all very good. The heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God completed the work that he had done and he rested the seventh day. The fourth commandment, we're instructed, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy for in six, uh, you are to labor six days and do all, all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or your female servant, your livestock, or the resonant alien who's within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day and declared, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. In six days, the one who can do the impossible created the world. He could have done it in six seconds had he chosen to. But in six days, he created the world and all very good. What is it that we read at the end of Genesis 1? God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed, evening and morning, the sixth day. And so much in this world calls you and me to doubt this important truth. God didn't make the world. It happened through time and chance over billions and billions of years. Nancy and I walked into a gem shop um, it's a, a Monday last week uh, at the Broadmoor, and we were just blasted with evolution. You know, this gemstone, this fossil, billions of years old. But the God who can do the impossible created the earth in six days, and all very good. The God who is, is, and he has done marvelous things. Nothing is impossible with God. For the true God, the Lord, the one who makes and keeps covenant with his people, nothing is impossible. God, the Lord, can and did make the sea and the dry land in six days and all very good. This same God, the Lord, can call a man like Jonah to preach. And God the Lord can throw a storm at the sea. And God the Lord can appoint a fish to swallow a man 
And God the Lord can keep that man alive for three days in the belly of the fish or raise him from the dead after three days. God the Lord can call dead men to repent and believe. And God the Lord can grant such dead men life and faith so that they do believe. And if you have come to believe, it's because of the impossible work, impossible except for God the Lord, the one who created the heavens and the earth in six days and all very good. Do you believe that this God, the only true God, the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, God the Lord is the one who made the world, the sea and the dry land in six days, and all very good. And yet even if you believe it, you look around and you say, it's not so very good now, is it? And that's because the world that God made is marred by sin, by Adam's and by yours. We read of the work of the devil in tempting Adam and Eve. He called into question the word of God. Has God really said? And that same question is being echoed all through time. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and she took and she ate, and she gave also to her husband who ate with her. And therefore, just a sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all men because all sinned. I don't really understand why Eve's eating the apple wasn't the sin that thrust the world, marred the world with sin and misery. It was Adam's. I, I do understand it in a sense, that covenant headship, the first Adam and the last Adam that Christ became. But the world in which we live is marred by sin. It's marred by Adam's sin, and it's marred by your sin and my sin. For the Ninevites, their sin was piling up in God's sight, and yet it flowed out of the sin of Adam. And we will see, as we continue in the book of Jonah, some serious repentance from the Ninevites. But about 100 years after Jonah, Nahum also writes to Nineveh, And in that writing, there is no Jonah, there is no repentance, and there is no mercy. For Jonah, too, his sin grew out of the root of Adam's sin. And for you, your sin grows out of the root of Adam's sin. Yet you stand guilty as I stand guilty. You cannot say, as you might be inclined at times to say, it's Adam's fault. Some of you kids, perhaps when you do the wrong thing and your brothers and sisters prompted you to do the wrong thing, you say, it's his fault. He started it. And maybe your moms and dads say, yeah, but you're the one who kept it going or you're the one who tried to finish it. You can't blame Adam. I can't blame Adam. My sin mars the world that Christ made in six days all very good. But there is hope. Because Christ, the creator, is also the savior. Christ, the savior, is also the creator. And Christ, the creator, is also the savior. Sin is the bad news. Christ is the good news. The gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift of God come through the grace of the one man which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. 
And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came judgment, resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. If by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? There is good news for this sin-marred world. There is good news for the sin-marred you and the sin-marred me. Christ, the creator, is also the savior. Do you believe that he is the creator and the savior? Do you believe that he is the creator and your savior? If so, then you can give a testimony like Jonah's. I'm a Christian. You see, that's what the Hebrews were in the Old Testament. They were Old Testament Christians. I'm a Christian. I worship the Lord and the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land and who has saved me from my sin. The third question that I want us to consider as we consider this testimony of Jonah is if you fear the Lord, does it show? If you fear the Lord, does it show? What is it that the scripture calls us to over and over? Love God and keep his commandments. Love God and keep his commandments. Jonah's testimony was in many ways hollow, but God's grace was and always is certain. And we're going to continue in the book of Jonah, and we're going to get to God's discipline of Jonah in love. And we're going to get to Jonah's far more convincing testimony, even though it was only a testimony to God. And we're going to get to God granting Jonah a second chance, which he takes with seriously mixed results. But if you love God, and you're aware of ways in which you are not keeping commandments, you're painfully aware that in those ways, your testimony rings hollow. And so the reminder from Jonah and the call of the whole of the scripture is strive anew. Seek his forgiveness. Cling to his grace. Love him with a renewed zeal. Keep his commandments with a heart full of gratitude. And ask God for a second chance or a third chance. Or a 78th chance. Because surely the one who commanded you to forgive your brother 77 times will forgive you 70 seven times you may at times in your sin feel like the prodigal son but remember the gracious father you were dead and are alive you were lost and are found love God keep his commandments and let your light shine before men And recognize that at times your light may be dim, but it still shines before men. Jonah's light certainly was dim. 
I mean, we, there, there's a sense in which we want to read his testimony. I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And we want to read that. And we want to think, yes, Jonah, way to go. And yet we, there's a sense in which we just can't. We, we, we think, Jonah, you're fleeing from God. You're not acting like you fear the Lord. You're not acting as though this God is your Savior. These sailors knew that Jonah was running from the God he claimed to serve. I'm running from God. Oh, by the way, I fear this God and I worship him and he made the heavens and the earth. Really? Yes, really. A dim light, perhaps, but a light was shining. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. But don't sin so that grace will abound. In the household worship guide for this week, you might be interested to read. I share a story from my family about light shining even when in sin and God being glorified. And so be aware that even if your light seems dim because of your sin, it can shine before men. If you fear the Lord, may it show. Oh, that you and I would hear Jonah's testimony. That we would see his sin and would see our sin. And that you would be renewed in your heart to seek the Lord who is in heaven and who made the seas and the dry land. Seek this Lord, the true God, to continue the work that he began in you to make you more like Jesus and less like Jonah. Join with me as we pray that God would make it so. Our Father in heaven, might it be that everyone here in this room can say, I am a Christian and I worship, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who made the sea, the one who made the dry land, and that we might indeed let our light shine before men. And God, where our light is marred by sin, the sin that mars this world that was made by our Savior, the Lord Jesus, in six days and all very good, where our light is dimmed and marred by sin, would you continue the work of making us more like Jesus? Would you enable us to cling to your grace? Would you give us that second or third or 78th chance to demonstrate that we do, in fact, worship you, our Lord and our God. And would you be pleased to let our light shine, even at times if it's dimmed by our sin, let our light shine to this world that people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, even as we seek to glorify you, our Father in heaven, through the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we pray. Amen.